Welcome to Tormenting Tarmac. On this podcast, we aim to take you on a journey of storytelling, getting to know enthusiasts from different communities and with different automotive backgrounds. It's about fellowship, showing the automotive world it doesn't matter what you love about cars and driving, what matters is that you love cars and driving. We also want to have conversations with you, the listener, about what your automotive passions are. What are the things about the automotive space that bring you the most joy? Talk about your love and our love for all motorsports and continue to learn things from all the different sections of it. We want everyone to be able to learn from one another. And this is a podcast for every level of driver and every level of enthusiast. So on behalf of my co-host, Ron Morris, my name is Jorge Aquino, and we welcome you to Tormenting Tarmac, where the enthusiast never dies. Jorge coming at you live and direct. We are here at the vault of Scottsdale in Scottsdale, Arizona. I have Ron Evans with me. Ron, how are you, sir? Hello. An absolute pleasure for you to go ahead and allow me to be here today with an absolutely beautiful facility. Thank you. Um, I have been following it for several months since I knew of of its existence. Um, It's one thing to go ahead and see the pictures online. It's another thing to go ahead and actually see all the just the lifts out there um you are greeted by what i believe is a c2 corvette mm-hmm. uh, what, uh what year is that if you don't mind 63 63 that's a beautiful, beautiful ride that is a beautiful ride what engine does that have that's a 327 oh okay cool so it's nice chill simple one mm-hmm. of those you just go out for a cruise none of this big old 427 um which there's nothing wrong with by the way 427 uh in a c2 is mighty beautiful um my co-host ron will probably be listening to this episode at some point he has a 69 c3 and he's got an ls3 in it um he's currently got it in pieces he's putting in brand new c5 suspension upgrade for it and whatnot so we have a a fully restomod 67 convertible with an ls3 full chassis car up in our storage that's now that was done by jeff hayes the leading corvette restomod Oh, that's awesome. Person in the country. That's awesome. Um, Hopefully I get a chance to go ahead and see that once we're done recording today. But um, it is Friday afternoon. Uh, We've been planning this for a few weeks now. Uh, I had asked Ron if he would be so kind as to come onto the podcast. He was kind enough to go ahead and invite me down to the vault. Um, I've been meaning to get out there, get out here for quite a few months now, but, you know, things just get in the way. But uh, I'm glad that I'm here now and it is just absolutely beautiful. Um, Ron, I wanted to go over a few things with you uh, on today's show. Um, one of them being, and I guess we can go ahead and get started here, the vault. You know, I feel that in the last few years, we've we've seen uh, an exponential growth of collector car storages all over the country, mm-hmm. all over the world, really. Um, what made you say, I'm going to go for it and build such a wonderful facility? Well, it starts back to my love of cars from the time I was a small child. Hot Wheels came out when I was a year old. So I've never known a time that I didn't have a car uh, in my hand or driving one. Uh, My wife and I were in healthcare for over 30 years. We sold our company. Cars are always a passion. I wasn't ready to retire. It was deciding what part of the car community I wanted to start a business in. Uh, The explosion and growth of collector car exotic car storage, condos, um, communities, is basically because of the explosion of the collector car hobby. As uh, whether it's a 21-year-old buying their uh, first dream car, which for them may be a JDM 240Z or 240SX or uh, you know a, a GTR, to a baby boomer who likes C1, C2 Corvettes, Mustangs, um, as that collection and that hobby has grown, the demand for that, because we all buy one, two, three, ten more cars than we have garage space for. Right. So that creates a need. And so you find a need and you help fill that need. I wanted to differentiate ourselves from other facilities. One, be very approachable for everyone to feel very welcome and inviting for people to come into that Not all facilities are like that. Mm -hmm. Two, to make sure that the cars are safe, taken care of, 
my own cars are in here as well. So I take care of others' cars the way I do my cars. Three, being able to and encourage people that drive their cars so they can get in, turn the key, and drive out the door without having to move other cars. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was uh, we bought this land. This was a parking lot. 2019 in January, we bought the land. It took us two years to get permits wow. from the city during COVID. We broke ground in January of 21. We finished in October of 21 and opened in December of 21. So we've been open nine months now. Um, as you've seen all of the signs, memorabilia, I've been collecting my whole life. Um, some of it uh, 25, 30 years ago in the making, mm-hmm. um, coming from both my old personal building as well as my garages, my own personal collection. So all of the memorabilia in here is mine. All but two signs are authentic and real. One being a Porsche neon because Porsche never made a neon sign. Right. The other one is Shelby and Shelby never made a neon sign, but they both look cool. They do. So other than that, every other sign in this building is original um, and my personal collection. So this gave me an ability to display them finally. In fact, I ran out of, uh, or I still have extra signs I haven't hung, um, as well as a space to create a business of storage mm-hmm. for people looking for storage. We also, with 16,000 square feet, are an event center and rent the space out for corporate events, birthday parties, anniversaries from 20 people to 250 people. Nice. How's that been going? Because I have seen that on social media and you do host host a wide variety of events. And this is such a wonderful space that it can go ahead and fit for almost any type of event. It's been pretty cool. We thank you. Uh, We host uh, monthly cars and coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, We did skip a month here in August because of the monsoons and the heat. We pick back up on September 17th from 7 to 9 in the morning. We have a sponsor who's a car guy and uh, our commercial banker, Sunflower Bank, that sponsors the food truck or the coffee truck and the donuts. Um, and then we also take donations for St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, oh. I believe strongly in giving back, so we are working to raise money uh, along with a couple other uh, car-related clubs to raise money for St. Vincent de Paul to give back. And so the Cars and Coffee is open to the public. Uh, we have it full every month. And then uh, we also, as I said, rent it out for private events, mm-hmm. corporate events, birthday parties, anniversaries that are in the evenings. Um, and we host one to five of those a month. Uh, and that's been helped us to, my opinion is that's to help so that the pricing for car storage can remain affordable for anyone. Um, at the end of the day, the cars are the most important. Nothing matters if the cars aren't taken care of. So when we have those events, people are required to hire our security team that we vetted to be on site to make sure that the cars are protected. That's so true. I feel like, you know, we live in a, or we're currently in a very beautiful town of Phoenix, a uh, beautiful part of Phoenix, I should say. Everybody knows Scottsdale and whatnot. But even then, you still need to be protected. You, you as an individual, can go ahead and put in so much of your time, effort, blood, tears into your respective car the last thing you want to do is have something bad happen to it. So for you to be able to go ahead and be like, listen, this isn't uh, an option. It's mandatory. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that your car is protected. It's like having insurance plus the extra, I think is a brilliant idea. Well, and we've got insurance obviously to cover a policy to cover all of the cars in here. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, that's an extra layer. I believe in layers of security from the gate that you can't get to the front door without coming through a locked gate to the cameras you can see, the cameras you can't see, uh, 24-hour monitoring, as well as then security guards should we have an event that's a private event that, uh, shall we say, aren't necessarily car people mm-hmm. that know you shouldn't be leaning against anyone's car, let alone a half-million-dollar car. Absolutely. You know, you you have quite the collection yourself. Would you mind letting us know? And if you don't want to, I totally understand. No, it's... I don't mind. Uh, I've been blessed to own some cars. That's awesome. Uh, some I would have liked to have back that I've sold. And <laughs> some, at this point, just about everything I have is a keeper. Okay. My first car from high school is a 69 Triumph GT6. That's awesome. Um, it's been through three motors and four paint jobs in 40 years. 
um, since I bought it at 15. That's awesome. Um, 240Z. Oh. 91 Acura NSX. Man of taste. Um, Shelby GT350R 2020, the last mm-hmm. of the 350R Heritage Edition. Ford GT 2005. Beautiful. Uh, 2019 GT3 RS. Um, 356 Porsche Outlaw with all 911. Is that the silver one right there in the mm-hmm. middle? Uh, you, they, all, th- that, that, that was a two-year build and is faster than any air-cooled Porsche that's not a turbo. Um, because it has the same horsepower but weighs a 1,000 pounds less. That's beautiful. Um, 56 Ford pickup that sits on a Z06 chassis suspension and LS7 with 600 horse. I've seen that truck multiple times on social media, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it is a beautiful, beautiful it, uh, build. It will smoke the tires and will smoke a C7 Corvette on the freeway. <laughs> um, 37 Ford uh, convertible, that's my wife's. A 52 Patina Chevy truck. Mm-hmm. It's got a little motor and a full custom leather interior, but the outside's original Patina. So a little bit of everything. I, I've i had some, a lot of Broncos in the past. I've had a lot of 67... Mustangs, Shelby's, Eleanor's that I've sold. We're three and a half years into finishing a 67 Mustang that will likely be at SEMA. Oh, cool. Uh, with a thousand horsepower on pump gas, naturally aspirated. That's that's a heavy hitter right there. So I like to go fast. No, I don't blame you. Actually, I, there's fun. There's something that I want to talk about as we continue on with the podcast in a little bit. Um, it was the, uh, the Alfa Romeo race car that... Uh, that's been made the run made what's the word that i'm looking for it's made the rings if you will on uh social media it's aunt ansett's car Mm -hmm. um who is the the man and the brains behind the uh type 62 um that he's working over at radford which is really really cool i want to get into that because i want to know the entire story uh from what you did back in june um that is an incredibly eclectic lineup of cars that you personally own in your collection. That's beautiful, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, you mentioned a 240. I happen to, I happened to own a Z32 300ZX. It was my very, it was my second car, um, and I owned it for three years. It was wonderful. Had the accident, and most listeners will know the story by now because I've probably told it a million times. But had the accident that occurred, had not occurred, I probably would still have it mm-hmm. right now with an enormous and an egregious amount of miles on it, mind you. But it makes me happy, it brings joy to my heart. So, in my case, a friend in high school had a 240C. Nice, so I always loved riding in that car. Mm-hmm. Um, it was faster than my Triumph that I had, so. Uh, it's a Rustomod nice. Z. The body is stock and original, but underneath it is a full autocross billet adjustable race suspension with a very massaged original motor and a five-speed. So uh, it's a fun car and a classic. Um, every car I own at this point has a story or a meaning to me personally. If it doesn't, to me, cars, life's too short to drive boring cars. And so you may be working towards that car you want, but at the end of the day, cars evoke a passion and a feeling in people. Um, certain cars do, other cars don't for other people. And that's why they say that there's a car for every seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's uh, that car has to evoke emotion or a feeling in me to give you that, okay, this is the car I want to own the rest of my life. Right. Um, I bought and sold several. Some I'd like to have back. Some were just passing through a couple of C2 63 split windows I've owned um, that were fantastic cars. They were not easy to fit in if you were anything taller than 5'10", but um, beautiful cars. I love looking at them. I love looking at everyone else that owns them, Mm -hmm. but ultimately not a car for me. I'm a Ford guy at heart. Um, No offense to the Chevy lovers because I've got a whole bunch of Chevys out there that soar with us. Mustang for me on the American side Mm -hmm. is, uh, and of course the Ford GT was the last analog car besides the Carrera GT, which came out at the same time um, with no analog brakes, no traction control. So you have to really drive it or the car can bite you. Um, The other one that's similar to that is I have a 65 Shelby Continuation Cobra. Oh, wow. With a 650 horse Roush motor in it. So that car I've had 15 years. 
Nice. Uh, but it is a car that is not the easiest car to That's not for the faint drive. of heart. No, it's no, not. No, it's not. It's, it's, I feel, uh, what color is this? Like a black? It's black. Okay. Uh, so quick story on that. I was five years old in a town of 500 people in Illinois where I grew up, corn country. And in 72, when I was five years old, my next door neighbor had an original 67 and a 65, wow. 289 and 427 Cobra and gave us rides every Saturday. Nice. So I was hooked on cars. If I wasn't hooked already, sitting in the Cobra was my first exposure mm-hmm. to any kind of classic car, an original Cobra. And that memory stayed with me the rest of my life. That's beautiful. I want to go back to something really quickly because you mentioned that you and your wife um, were in uh, healthcare, mm-hmm. right, for multiple years, 30 years. Um, and, you know, you get the opportunity to go ahead and sell. Is it one of those situations that, you know, you finally have done well for yourself? You and your wife have worked so hard that it's like, I'm going to go ahead and put my money into a hobby, into a passion at that point. Like, plus, like, there's there's this small boom that's happening within the collector car community. Um, yes and no. So uh, we were respiratory therapists by trade. We took care of people on ventilators before anyone knew what a ventilator was. Right. Um, I started in respiratory therapy at 20 years old. Um, we started our company. I was 30, just turning, I was just turning 40 when we started our company, 2006. So I was 39 years old, had the company for 14 years, um, built it to 36 locations in nine states wow. uh, with 350 employees, but had been grinding 14 years at 100 to 120 hours a week. And prior to that, 80, 90, 100 hours a week in the ICUs, picking up 12 hours, 16 hour shifts. So yes, we were fortunate to be blessed enough to have the ability to exit. I stayed on for a year and a half to run the company as part of my agreement. Um, and But it was, at that point, it was what's the next chapter in my life. It was always going to be a it had to be a business. That's just the way my mind works in that, in this, but in the same token, the cars that are my passion will always come first. Mm-hmm. So combining that is a blessing that, you know, I'm very fortunate and feel very blessed to be able to do. Nice. Uh, very similar to, um, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with Matt Farah from the Smoking mm-hmm. Tire, of course, one of my favorite journalists. He always tells the story that the reason why uh, Westside Collector Car Storage in Los Angeles came to be was because he just needed a place to park. <laughs> well, that, that is partially true. Yeah. I, for five years, had owned a building that was a little under 4,000 square feet mm-hmm. with 14 cars in it, plus an office and lounge and kitchen. And I had to move six cars to get to the one I wanted to drive. Uh, About three-fourths of these signs were in that 3,500, 3,600 square feet. So I had outgrown that. I had built an extra garage on my house, outgrew that. So, yes, partially true that at the end of the day, I'm my first customer. Sure. And then it was going out and getting other customers. But it's also investing in the Park Plus triple stackers that you see that are the industry... um, premier in the industry for um, that type of parking right. um, to be able to add more cars in this space, um, but still be able to leave the rest of it free for cars to be able to get in and out easily. Absolutely. Um, how long have you been uh, in, in the Phoenix area, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, uh, long enough to be a native. We moved okay. here in 1983. Oh, okay. Definitely um, for a while. Okay. My wife is a native three generations back. Um, but I moved here in 83, uh, in the middle of high school. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like we have a very large Illinois contingent here. Oh yeah. Half the people are Chicago Cubs fans. Exactly. Um, I grew up in the Southern part of Illinois, so I was a Cardinal fan. Oh, okay. Yes. There are a lot of Midwestern, especially Illinois transplants that ended up out here. Man, poor White Sox fans. They still can't get no love. They can't get respect. (laughs) Oh, I, I'm curious to know, you moved actually in high school. That's that's actually leads up perfectly to my question because you've kind of mentioned to us what really got you into cars. You know, you, you had a, a neighbor of yours that owned a 65 and a 67 Shelby Cobra, and that's really what go ahead and sparked the passion. Um, I'm assuming, and this is very clear, car culture will have changed so much in the Midwest oh. from the, 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 the 
late 70s, early 80s up until now, but you've lived here in Arizona for such a long time. What have you seen the differences in, in, in the car community and the car culture that we continue to see now? Well, in the 80s and 90s, there really wasn't a car culture meaning everyone had cars, but there were no gatherings mm-hmm. other than the pavilions, which has been going around since the 60s and 70s. Wow, I didn't realize um, the paths had been going Until on COVID and the sale of that McDonald's when the owner passed away, it was the longest running car show in the US. Wow. And had been since it started. I don't remember exactly when, but it, it, it has been billed as the longest running car gathering in the US. So in the 80s, that was the only car gathering and it was a lot of muscle cars in the Midwest. It was all American muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the seventies, it was the late sixties, early seventies, Mustangs, Camaros, Corvettes, um, challengers. And then out here, um, it was a little bit more, uh, flux of imports as well, particularly in the eighties, you've got the rise of imports coming in. Um, I, I had three cars in high school before I was 18. <laughs> so my second car was a Fiat X19 Targa. Okay. Then I had a, uh, shall we say, a modified and souped up Toyota Celica that maybe or may not have seen a fair amount of street racing in its day. We'll never um, know. <laughs> they, uh, and there's only a couple of pictures of the car left uh, in terms of the memory. Yeah. But it, uh, so there were a lot of, you know, back then there were a lot of audio competitions um, I like to drive fast, but I also like my tunes. So my cars ran 15 to 18 speakers and three amplifiers because I competed in those. And the car shows were just, it was usually older people that had the thirties and forties cars that yeah. even back then it was perceived as the old person show. Um, although one story that comes to mind, ironic yesterday was Craig Jackson's birthday and I wish him all the best as well as uh, co-founder majority, of Barrett Jackson, right? Okay. Co-founder of Barrett Jackson. Well, his dad and his partner co-founded Barrett Jackson. Craig took over when his dad passed gotcha. away. He lost his brother tragically. Um, turned had his birthday yesterday, and they announced the majority sale of controlling interest in Barrett Jackson to IMG. So, wish him all the best in the world. It's uh, something I'm sure he's been working for a long time, and well deserved success. But I can remember going to the pavilions in the late 80s, early 90s, when Craig would bring his car out because his dad was running Barrett Jackson and Craig would come out to the pavilions at that time. I remember him having a black Corvette ZR1 in 1990, 91. They had two keys, one that let them go higher, faster than the other. It was the beginnings of the valet keys Um, back in the day, right? Yeah. So, um, so the, then in the 2000s, 2010s you started getting these other car shows pop up mm-hmm. and in the last I call it 10 years it's exploded to where there's something going on every Saturday um, sometimes multiple events on the first Saturday in Scottsdale there's five different events you can go to yep. so um, it has changed a lot and there's um, I I have I happen to love a lot of the different gatherings so I love going to a little bit of everything and I'll you know spread mm-hmm. it out in terms of depending on which car I like, uh, uh, shout out to Nico that owns four till four that has it something different every week, yeah. which is a unique. He's the only one that does that. Alpio's a Troon second Saturday is great. Um, also on the first Saturday, you've got Highline. Highline. I went um, to that uh, last month and it was, uh, it was really not. It was really fun because it, it it was interesting because it's Fourth of July weekend, so it actually wasn't that packed really. Right. But what was really great about it is I really expected like this. Oh, it's just gonna be like um, modern supercars and whatnot. And the amount of modern classics and older things that I saw you actually know, really surprised everything. me and um, brought me joy. Scuderia uh, is, Scuderia is great. Um, so I like all of them. And then uh, the third Saturday we have our event. The fourth Saturday, the toy barn up in Cave Creek has a cars and coffee that I'll often go to, even though I don't own up there, it's free to everyone to go. So there's something for everyone, depending on what you like. And each show has its own mix of eclectic cars. Right. So um, from that standpoint, we wanted to start one. One, there was very little other than uh, Penske having theirs on the third Saturday of the month. Yeah. And obviously, um, I built this as more of... This is how I want my ultimate 
garage to be in. I like I like sharing it with other people and um, also, you know, getting people's responses when they come in. Not many people see a neon gas pump and porcelain sign collection that I have. There's others that have far larger collections than mine. Um, it's by far not near as big as some, but uh, I've tried to curate and collect the ones that I enjoy and hopefully other people do. Nice. Um, curation has become such a thing nowadays and I, and I actually respect it and I really appreciate it because I feel like it shows the personality of the person that, of the person that owns it and that's a really big selling point to the person who wants to go ahead and keep their car at this facility. Well, it, uh, I'm not sure if the signs are. I, you could substitute collect for curate because mm-hmm. basically I bought what I like. Yeah. Um, same with cars. Mm-hmm. Um, so And I like the old rusty signs as I bought nicer signs. The old rusty ones are still hanging in my garages at home. Right. So I love the old patina ones that have some bullet holes in them as well. Um, but... <laughs> The biggest thing is wanting people to feel comfortable. I don't sure. want it to feel sterile or that they're not welcome to come in and take their car anytime they want. I don't want them to have to call and wait three days to come in to get their car. Mm-hmm. So it's wanting a little bit more easier to work with uh, environment for people that hopefully they feel welcome and uh, feel safe storing their car with us. I got you. By the way, in case anybody's listening to the podcast and whatnot, who is relatively new to the North Phoenix or just Phoenix area in general, um, what's the website that people can go ahead and check it out, Ron? www.vaultofscottsdale.com. Okay. We're on Instagram under Vault Auto Storage. Okay. Make sure that people can go ahead and uh, see that. Go uh, Follow the vault because the vault is always fun to go ahead and look at. Um, Ron's always up to go ahead. You're always up to something fun. Uh, just this past week, you've been obviously getting all your cars prepped to go up to Monterey for Car Week. Well, um, I only have one going. Last year, we took the 356 Outlaw to the Porsche Works show. Way, is that the, the, your 356? Not to interrupt you, but the 356 Outlaw, is that a Emory build? Or is that just, no, that was okay. built here locally by Patrick Motorsports. Ah, I've heard of Patrick Motorsports. Who is the premier air-cooled mm-hmm. expert in town. He has restored both uh, 935 factory race cars he's doing one another one now he's restored two 934 race cars they built 34 of them those are owned here locally and will be on display at uh in monterey at the motor lux event that Haggerty has taken over of uh, the jet center event gotcha. so he did a two it was a two-year build starting with a rust free arizona car but it was two years to build that from the ground up so i love rod emery's builds are fantastic I always wanted a six-cylinder. Mm-hmm. Rod likes to use this proprietary engine that makes great power, but it's a four-cylinder. So mine's a six-cylinder, and everything else is from a 911 with a full custom interior. Looks vintage, but there's actually power and heated seats in it, a hidden stereo, a lot of other creature comforts that you don't see looking at the car, but those are details. And I love being part of the build, so mm-hmm. having it locally is nice. The Mustang being built is being built up in Utah, and so it's a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, but the this year we're, we're asked by Haggerty to bring out the Alpha 158 recreation that Ann Anstead built for Motor Trends uh, Master Mechanic Streaming Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I purchased the car two years ago at Barrett-Jackson. I found out last minute they didn't really advertise it. It sat at Radford uh, the old Bonder at the racetrack for six months. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it existed. I'd watched the series. And then literally Monday, the day of the auction, I got word from someone that it was going to be selling on, I don't recall whether it was Friday or Saturday night. So it was a late addition to the catalog. Didn't get a lot of promotional ahead of time and made up my mind right then as soon as I saw it that I was bringing home the car. Oh, it's so, such a, it is such a cool car. Um, Oh my gosh. It was built as a recreation to the car that Fangio won his first world uh, Formula One World Championship in 1951. Yep. The car was built in 1938. They built six of them. During World War II, they separated the frame, the chassis, and the motor and hid it all over Europe from the Nazis and then put them all back together after the war and went racing with a car at that time then was six years old. And another... Six years later, 
with the addition of a supercharger, they made 420 horsepower out of a one and a half liter eight cylinder. Oh my God. And went 170 in 1951. It won every race it entered from 1938 to 1951. That's incredible. There are three remaining in the world. They're worth $30 million. One's in Alfa Romeo's museum in Italy, one in a museum, another museum in uh, Europe, and one in a private collection in California. So Ant, in the streaming series, it was a 12-week series, actually showed him going up and visiting one of the actual original remaining Alpha 158s. Um, and then he built his car from scratch over 12 weeks for the show. Um, we've spent some time sorting out. It's been at the track a couple times, and we put some miles on it, driven it. It is now street legal. Um, pair of headlights behind the grill and a 3D-printed taillight. Shout out to Italian Design and Racing down in Mesa because they did the work on the car. Also blew a head gasket. So we rebuilt <laughs> the top half of the motor when she started. Let's just say that driving it in California and driving it in 110 degree weather. Yeah. Because I drove it back from Radford uh, Racing Track in 110 degree weather from their Gold Rush Rally. Yes. So that's actually where I found it first. So, uh, I, and I just... I've just drooled over it since I saw it that day. There was so much good stuff there, Ron. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that captured my eye the most, and there was some heavy hitter stuff, at least for me, it was it was the Alpha. And Thank you. So explain that to me because you drove it from here at the vault. And for, for people who may not be familiar with the Phoenix area, we're very spread out. Um, so Scottsdale and where, is where we are right now. Radford Racing School, which was the old Bondurant, is down in South Chandler um, off the 10. So 30 miles from here one way. Uh, we left at 6 a.m. It was 94 degrees. And an open car, open wheel, yeah. half your body is out with a full helmet on. Mm -hmm. So no ventilation. Um, and then just with exhaust. Right, just exhaust is right next to your arm. Yeah. So uh, no insulation. It's just metal in the floors. Uh, so going down there wasn't bad. Coming back at 110 degrees an hour and a half later, um, let's just say the car got hot and I got hot. So we pulled off about two thirds of the way to stop and let the car cool down because it was um, getting a bit toasty sure. with a tiny radiator. Um, even with a four cylinder motor, it was uh, not liking 110 degree weather. That was at 80 miles an hour on the one-on-one freeway. Yeah. I did get a lot of curious looks and some pictures taken while I was going down the freeway in an open wheeled old race car yeah. um, with a helmet, but uh, she made it and so a lot of fun to drive. It is a unique experience that is driving any kind of, in this case, even a replica, any kind of open-wheeled pre-war race car is an experience no one can describe unless they've done it. It's, it's quite amazing. It's quite spectacular. I mean, I remember – so that day was incredibly hot. I believe up until – because that was what, late June, mid-late mm -hmm. mid June? Um, that day ended up being – I'm not sure. I think we've had a couple of other days that are hotter, but it ended up being the hottest day of the year. It was 115, I think, by As 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and we left at 10 o'clock. It was 110. Um, I was seeing, I was getting ready to pass out at one point. So I didn't have a driving suit on, thankfully, or I would have probably passed out. The helmet was warm enough and right. having that hot air blowing on you. Um, there wasn't much else to do, but uh, but... I buy cars to drive them. I don't buy them to look at them. Um, I try to spread it around because there's a lot of cars that I love to drive. And some don't have air conditioning that you can't drive in the summertime. Right. That being one of them. But that was an event that, you know, it's not often that 40 exotics, supercars, hypercars come rolling in on the rally. Um, being able to um, be around them and, and be able to be part of that culture. Um, as well as the team down at Radford is fantastic. So yes. that's how I met Ant was after the purchase. Um, Radford had just purchased Bondurant as well as they were working on Radford Motors with the Type 62. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so through that uh, meeting and, and connecting with Ant a bit, and then uh, they came through with Type 62s. I got to ride in one, an early pre-production prototype that's a few awesome. months ago down at Radford at the track. 
um, was great. Uh, they unveiled the car actually at Monterey last year. Yes, I've um, seen it. That was not a functioning car yet. Then in the spring, they had a pre-production prototype that they were able to give us hot laps on uh, with a few of us that were asked to be uh, go down there that were prospective buyers. Um, and then they're now uh, have a fully completed car. They're delivering customer cars now and they will have it again at Monterey. Um, in fact, at this Haggerty event, they run it out the track Tuesday okay. when they asked me to bring the Alpha. They will be there with the Type 62 Radford giving some hot laps with Jensen Button um, at the Haggerty event and then also at the Motor Lux party yeah. uh, at the Jet Center. Uh, they will be there uh, as well. So they've, got it's been a, they've the come crew. a year. They've come a long way with the car. It's a beautiful, fantastic uh piece of work a piece of artwork as well as a, a very high functioning high performance sports car it is um i i've been meaning to watch the show my wife actually happened to get discovery plus uh recently and so they have their radford show that's on discovery plus i've been meaning to check that out for a while because i am extremely interested i remember when ant and jensen came on to the smoking tire and they were talking with farah and with clapman and i was like no way that they're pulling this off. And when they f put out the renders, I was like, that's going to be something well, cool. Often what gets lost in the process is their third part of their partnership is Mark Stubbsy. Yes. Which is a car designer who helped design it. And they did it old school, out of clay. Mm -hmm. The renderings came after they had built the car out of clay. Yeah. Um, they had some sketches, went to clay, did the renderings. So they did it old school and... Um, Virtually, even though it shares Lotus's power plant, it's virtually a all new car, mm -hmm. um, other than the back half of the chassis. Right. So, but looking forward to uh, getting uh, be, being able to both see them again, as well as uh, we've been cleared to do some parade laps at Laguna Seca with the Alpha. So that will be it's probably first and only time on Laguna Seca. It wouldn't be a car that I'd race in a series, mm -hmm. but. Laguna Seca is an icon in itself. So yep. anytime you can get a car on the track, even at 75 miles an hour, is a great day. That corkscrew will be really, really fun in that car. It, it will, you. because an open-wheel car is a bit twitchy. Sure. Um, and likes to wander. Um, <laughs> it also has bias-ply tires. It's not radial tires. I've noticed. Those are vintage bias-ply tires. So it will be interesting shall we say we'll see how it goes a little sketch um <laughs> hey it's uh so i'm looking forward to it sure. for me car week will be i'll be just fine if yeah. nothing else happens but being able to get on laguna seca at the end of the day i love to drive cars i love driving fast it's a bonus when you can get on a truck like laguna seca and, and thanks to Haggerty for inviting us out yeah. to bring the car um it's something i don't take lightly and uh Love to share that car with other people because not many people, in fact, unless you go to Alfa Romeo's museum in Italy, you'll never see an original 158. I was fortunate after I posted some pictures of that car after the purchase, someone reached out to me from Italy whose uncle worked for Alfa for 50 years and the uncle had left his archives, which includes black and white original Alfa Romeo stamp pictures from the 20s through the 50s of every race car including the ones Enzo Ferrari worked on before he started Ferrari. Wow. So I've got those in a binder. I've got yeah. copies of the blueprints done by Alpha of the original 158 framed hanging on the walls at the vault that most people don't even realize what they're looking at until you look closer and you'll see it's an Alpha Romeo stamp. The copies were done in the 60s because the original blueprints on the onion skin paper from the 30s were disintegrating. And I've got a couple of originals from the 40s that are on the onion skin paper, very thin, that I've had matted and framed. Um, but the pictures are priceless to me that um, he said, I'll send them to you. If you like them, you pay me. If not, you send them back. That would never happen in the U.S. But no that's way. an example of a car community and car people that trust each other. Right. And it's a treasure trove of, of vintage from the 8C, the 12C, the 158, the 159, all the Alpha motors, cars being assembled, racing the Millimilia in 1925. So um, for the history, I love history of cars with history and I love the history of any car. So part of, for Car Week, part of the, the best part, and my wife loves this as well, is going, whether it's RM or Bonhams or now um, 
uh, Broad Arrow mm -hmm. uh, in their partnership with Haggerty to pull out a book on a car and sit and read about the history of it. That to me is one of the highlights of Car Week because yeah. cars that have history, as we know, one, they sell for more. Two, they're much more enjoyable if there's a history and a story to the car. So learning about that, even if I'm not buying the car, is something that I personally like to do. It's the car geek in me. It's, I don't blame you, man. That's, that's good stuff right there. Um, all that history associated with it, that's just the type of stuff that you just can't make up. You no, just can't. Because, and newer cars, is, and there's always going to be – I love supercars. I love mm -hmm. exotic cars. There's always going to be one faster. There's right. always going to be a new one. Now they're going to be hybrid or full electric. Mm -hmm. I don't believe we're – I believe we're entering an age where none of those cars in 40 years will be memorable the way cars from 50 years ago are. Okay. Meaning from the vintage Ferraris, the 250 GTO that's legendary, the Shelby GT350, uh, Lamborghinis Mira, mm -hmm. the Gullwing Mercedes, those type of blue chip collectible cars – is a hybrid car going to be that way in 40 or 50 years? It's one of those, it really depends. And the fact Time that you have to, tell. exactly, you have to actually throw that out there because we can't be sure. I can tell you, oh, perhaps the Laugh and perhaps the P1 or even the 918, but. Well, and don't forget the, the 05 and 06 Ford GTs mm -hmm. sat for a couple years and they then couldn't they sell them. I, I, let me tell you this right now, Ron. I blame Doug DeMuro. <laughs> yeah, so they could not sell those at $150,000. And then they sat at about the 250 to 300 level for 10 years right. before they've went up in value. And they've gone up um, big time in value. The Carrera GTs were three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 for 10 years. Yeah. And then they've went from a million to two million in the last 12 months. It's insane. Um, the, it's not just about the money. It's the legendary status. Right. Will a hybrid, I don't want to pick on any car makes, any type of hybrid supercar, time will tell whether people will remember it, the styling, the game changing, how innovative it was. Yeah. People may or may not realize that, and I love Porsches. My daily driver is a new Carrera S with a tune, um, the GT3 RS, my outlaw I love Porsches, but the double wishbone suspension that's brand new this year was done on my 1991 Acura NSX mm -hmm. because they used their Formula One technology in that car 30 years ago, right. 35 years ago. Uh, no, 30, yeah. 32. What years is your um, NSX? 91. Okay, yeah. That in Japan, they were released as 1990s. Ah, okay. So, um, but some of that monocoque construction, double wishbone suspension, all of that was done in the 90s. Now it's considered cutting edge, but it really has already been done before. Right. So can they innovate and do something that will be memorable 30 or 40 years from now? We'll see. That's very tough. That is very tough. Very similar to um, rear wheel steer and some of the modern, mm -hmm. modern supercars and modern hypercars now. I mean, let's be real. The Mitsubishi 3000 GT actually had that back in like 1994. It was like chains and whatnot that if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, people forget about that. Um, I want to end it on this. You know, you are going uh, to Monterey. Mm -hmm. Besides taking your out Al the Alpha race car up there and right. driving it on uh, uh, at Laguna Seca, are you going to be doing seventeen mile drive? Uh, no, no uh, okay. not with the rest of the Pebble Beach cars. Gotcha. Um, I always will do that drive, um, and in fact, we may take the Alpha, find a spot that we can do a photo shoot with mm -hmm. the Alpha out there while it's out there. Um, but looking forward to Broad Arrow's first auction. Uh, they've got the amount of cars at Monterey this year is probably unrivaled in terms of the cars at the auctions for sale. But then you've got exotics on Broadway that will be larger than it's ever been right. before. You've got the Quail, which is my personally my favorite event of the whole week. Mm -hmm. um, I will, no offense to Pebble Beach, but I'll take Quail 10 times over Pebble Beach. In terms of the enjoyment of seeing a 32 hot rod, a Cobra, a 500 horse rear engine Mini Cooper and 30 Paganis. You see everything at Quail. Um, a row of Konos eggs and Paganis, and then you've got a, I'm not kidding, last year it was a 500 horse Mini Cooper um, rear engine. 
um, that just was is that is that Gildred, Gildred Racing's? Really? I'm not sure okay. who it was, but I just I talked to him briefly, and I'm like, okay, even I am not that yeah. crazy. Um, so you see a little bit of everything uh, locally. Uh, the Aston Martin 177, yes. that is one of only two or three in the States, yep. is here locally, is going out there and will be on display at the Quail. Um, so you see a little bit of everything. The, the tickets are expensive, but they go to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're worth it, too, on top of the fact that the, they're for charity. I believe it. it's, it's worth it. I think everyone should go, if not every year, at mm-hmm. least go a few times. Um, Gooding, RM... Broad Arrow all have excellent dockets of fantastic cars. Car spotting and being able to drive down the street and you've got a Goldwing Mercedes pull next to you or a F40. There's five F40s for sale. During I've never seen that many F40s in one place, not counting what may be on display. <laughs> right. There's four or five Goldwing Mercedes. So everything you can – there's, I think, two Muras, um, which to me was the first supercar. Yeah. Um, the uh, so there is something for everybody. There's the mini car show for people that like little tiny cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Porsche only show, a Ferrari and Lamborghini show for the Italian Concorso. There's a Porsche Works show. There's the Germans on the Autobahn. That's German cars. So whatever type of car you like, you can find it at Car yeah. Week. Um, the weather's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Seventy degrees. Can't beat that. Traffic stinks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could beat that. <laughs> the, uh, so, but in the same token, uh, I look forward to it every year. Right. I've been going better part of 10 years. Uh, it's the one time a year I took off work, even when I didn't take off for any other vacations. Right. So looking forward to the quail event. And then obviously the auctions are always fun and, and seeing what cars sell for. Also, I think this will be a very good judge of how the market is. Oh, You've yeah. You've got a lot of uncertainty in our economy right now. Um, the supercar market is, and the car market is soft a bit in a the last bit. three months because of the economy. So how many cars get sold versus how many are for sale mm-hmm. will be uh, kind of a, a temperature check on the health of our market. I agree. Um, thank you so much for your time, Ron. I, I do appreciate you letting me come by um, on a kind of short notice. We'd been trying to – we planned this last week, and unfortunately I wasn't able to go ahead and make it down. But you were gracious enough to have me come back down today, and I very much appreciate it. Getting a chance to talk to you has broadened my horizons even more. That's kind of the thing that I love about doing Tormenting Tarmac and meeting all of our guests and whatnot, in particular in person. You don't get the same judge of character on Zoom, unfortunately, at times. Um, but you, you get a chance to go ahead and know what car culture can do for someone and then what, what they can bring to the table. Uh, it's funny. I mentioned to you, I think that you're doing such a great job and you are becoming a pillar of the community. You said, I don't know about that. I, I'm, I'm going to state it right now live on the recording. I believe that you are doing something good for our community and I wish you the best. Um, the vault is absolutely stunning and, I, and I'm really looking forward to you putting on more and more events for the community. Well, the cars are the stars, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's about the relationships you make with the people and the cars. Absolutely. Because to me, having a cars and coffee is as much or more about the people mm-hmm. than the cars. We're, we're drawn together by a love of cars, whether it's the guys that only love Porsches or the guys that love Ferraris or the guys that love a little bit of everything. You have a common interest and you can speak to that and you build relationships that you wouldn't have otherwise. So for me, the relationships that I've built over the years in, with people in the car community, um, regardless of the business, are to me the most important. And the rest is treating people the way you want to be treated, treating people fairly, being honest with people. And that's how I've always been as a person and my values and how we ran our previous business and how we'll run the vault. Awesome. Uh, you guys are doing an extraordinary job. Uh, when's the next event happening? September, September 17th okay. from 7 to 9 a.m. We'll have a coffee truck and donuts for everyone. Um, doors will open at 6.30. It'll be first come, first serve. Um, some parking inside uh, the rest in our parking lot and then plenty of street parking for spectators. And um, Although we had a row of Ferraris parked out on the street uh, because we ran out of space. So... Um, <laughs> I'm less concerned about the size of the show. It's more of do people have a good time? Yeah. And is it something people enjoy? 
people, it's a family event. People bring their kids, their dogs, um, you know, so from that standpoint, it's something that we want everyone to feel comfortable. Awesome. Um, I heard nothing but good things about the neon light show that you put on in July. And I, I'm going to do my best to go ahead and make it out here on the 17th and to be able to go ahead and hang out with you and hang out with the entire community. But thank you, Ron. I really appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Uh, when do you, when do you actually, uh, head out? Uh, Monday morning. Monday. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have a safe drive over to Monterey. Have a great time. Who knows? Maybe you'll go ahead and bring a, bring a car back. You never know. Uh, not that planning on know. it, but you never know. Um, that probably depends on whether I snag one off bring a trailer that I'm watching. I won't say which one I'm watching. but That's totally fair. Um, no, there's a couple. There's a handful of cars, probably five on my bucket list to own before I die. Okay. That at this point I'm uh, focusing more on... Uh, you know, the, I've done the buy, sell, trade up to get the ones you want. Now it's a matter of being patient and waiting until the right car comes along. That's the way to do it, my friend. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can go ahead and check out, uh, Ron at run underscore, is it Ron underscore the vault? Yes. Yeah, right? okay. And Vault Auto Storage is our main page. And then of course you can go ahead and find them on their website, www.thevaultofscottsdale.com. Um, go ahead and check it. Do you have room right now for anybody who's looking for? We do. Okay. We are, <clears throat> excuse me. We are about two thirds to three fourths full. Oh, We've okay. got room for about 15 Sweet. more cars. It's less about the number of cars and more of getting to a number where I'm comfortable with that number. We have some events and, um, then we'll see what the future brings. All right, beautiful. So if you have a collector car or just a sports car that you happen to love and appreciate and you want to go ahead and have it be taken care of really well, come down to Ron, check out the vault. It's an absolutely beautiful facility. And again, you can go ahead and check them out on social media. And then you can go ahead and find us. I'm at the one and only JMan19. My co-host, Ron, uh, is at hounds.and.horsepower. And then, of course, you can find Tormenting Tarmac on Instagram, at Tormenting Tarmac. And then you can go ahead and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, We're going to go ahead and be trying to release as many episodes for you all as we can. But for now, that's been Ron Evans. My name is Jorge Aquino, and you've been listening to Tormenting Tarmac, where the podcast where the enthusiast never dies. Have a great day, everyone.